Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to be talking from a purely spiritual perspective today. And on this show, we'll discuss the meaning of those all too commonly used words, the flow. What is the flow? How does it work? How does one get into the flow? Is there something we should be doing to make sure we're always in the flow? And what has, been go- what, what has being in the flow to do with being present in the divine self? Well, now there's the rub. Those words, divine and self, come as uh, difficult words to let out of our mouth in the Western culture. (laughs) Putting those words together does tend to cause some consternation in the Western world of religion. Uh, There's a tendency to think that the divine cannot be associated with the self unless the self is cleaned up, purified, (laughs) forgiven, and even then the self is not considered to be divine. But in the root language of the Bible and in other world religions, we find that the self is divine. We've just forgotten that. And it has everything to do with being in the flow. So you want to stay here today for this full discussion. It has meaning for you and for your life. So, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about the flow. So those are the words that we hear people use a lot. I was in the flow. Um, they also use the words the zone. I was in the zone. We hear people talk about that. What they really mean uh, is that they're in their deepest essence. They're not being thwarted by their identity. They're not being thwarted by questions about whether or not they're doing it right. They're not being uh, hindered by uh, by whether or not uh, we can see clearly. With it. All of that's all done for us because it's done in the authentic self. It's done at the deepest level, the, lo- the deep core of our being. And now we're manifesting that. So people talk about being in the flow. I can tell you a workshop I taught recently, I was in the flow. I was in the zone. I was just very present with myself. I had a lot of energy. I was confident in the work I was doing. I was, uh, I was focused and concentrated, and I spoke well about what I wanted to say and got the message out clearly. It, it went very, very well. At the end of the workshop, I, I wasn't even tired. That's the flow. So... Uh, when when we're talking about being in the flow, we're talking about being in that deepest essential nature of who we actually are. Now, the next question is, who are we actually? And that's where we get to the, the difficulties. In the Western world, we think of the self as split off from the divine. The only way that the, the, the divine, it, it, that we can connect with the divine is through prayer or through uh, good actions or... Uh, through uh, what they call in the Western culture the salvation experience. Uh, In the Bhagavad Gita, we see these words. Those who know me as their own divine self break through the belief that they are the body and are not reborn as separate creatures. Such a one, Arjuna, is united with me, delivered from selfish attachment, fear, and anger, filled with me, surrendering themselves to me, Purified in the fire of my being, many have reached the state of unity in me. That's the Bhagavad Gita as translated by Eknath Aswaran. And um, it goes on to say 
The self cannot be pierced by weapons or burned by fire. Water cannot wet it, nor can the wind dry it. It is everlasting and infinite, standing on the motionless foundations of eternity. The glory of the self is beheld by a few, and a few describe it, a few listen, but many without understanding. The self of all beings living within the body is eternal and cannot be harmed. Therefore, do not grieve. I love those words, and they're very, very clear. There's no doubt about what that means. It means that we have a a self that is at the center of our being, and it is eternal, and uh, it cannot be harmed, and it uh, we can experience it more by surrendering the, ourselves to the divine within us. So, okay, that's the Bhagavad Gita. That's not the Western most popular belief in the Western culture, which is Christianity. And that, and and Christianity has had a pervasive effect on how we think about ourselves as people, whether or not we are members of a church, whether or not we are uh, uh, part of that belief system. And so what we do is we, we have a tendency to believe that there's a heaven up there somewhere and there's a hell down there somewhere, and we live separate from both until we uh, die, and then we can ha- have one or the other based upon how we've lived. And uh, that, that, like I said, that belief is pervasive regardless of whether or not we tend to be in the, uh, a part of that belief system. There's still that sort of unconscious uh, hold that it has over us. Um, I hear people who are atheists talk about going to hell when they die. <laughs> you know, what, how, how? If there's no God and there's no heaven or hell, then how are you going to go to hell when you die? So that's, that's the unconscious talking. That, that belief system sort of sits there in the unconscious and it controls some of the way we think about ourselves. And so in this Western culture, generally speaking, we think of the self as separate from the divine. And, but in the root language of the Bible, which um, I've given a lot of information about that, about what duality means, and about how we got to this place of duality uh, in other shows, as well as in the book Inhabiting Heaven Now, you can certainly get that book on Amazon.com and read much about how it is that we can literally live in the divine self right here on planet Earth, and that's, that's the same as Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, so I really would encourage that read if you're interested in this topic. Um, so that book has a lot of information in it, and obviously I'm not going to be able to give you that whole book in, in, a, in an hour episode. There is another show that you can look up on the archives. It's called Duality. It's just called Duality, and it explains uh, that whole metaphor of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and how we came to uh, experience ourselves as separate from the divine, even though we're really not separate from the divine. So that that show is there too, if you want to go back to that. Today, what I want to talk about is this this nature of the I am. Charles Fillmore was the author of the uh, book called The Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, and he tells us that the ancient Hebrew name given to the divine Jehovah means I am, I was, I will be, because I am. I was, I will be, the power to be eternally I. So essentially what that says is, I am so certain of my my beingness, uh, because I always have been, I, I always will be, the power to be me. 
Uh, and that's just pure, unadulterated beingness. So what that means is that there's a, uh, an intelligence, a universal intelligence that is a part of uh, this sort of I am nature. And when we look at the root language of the Bible and other te- other texts, other sacred texts around the world, what we find is that that I am, that beingness, is at the center of everything else that's ever been created. And so I have that in me, and uh, you have that in you, and all animals have that, and all nature has that, and all of the universe has that. And it's a beingness. It's a centered beingness, a sentient beingness that is intelligent that uh, cannot be harmed uh, it is is as the Bhagavad Gita says cannot be pierced by weapons or burned by fire one or cannot wet it nor wind can dry it so um, that that that's a basic really basic part of what we're talking about today with regard to that and when we take the text like out of the New Testament in John 14:6 that Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life uh, Fillmore says that when we hear the word Lord in the Old Testament or the New Testament, what we, what we should read is I am. So, for example, when we read words like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we should read I am is my shepherd, I shall not want. What that does is change it from a faraway distant God to, a, to, a, to an I amness, a beingness that is a part of who I am. And uh, so he says it should always be translated that way, and he was looking at the root language when he came to that conclusion. In the same way, when Jesus uses the word I am, as in I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is using that same I am, not as in I should be worshipped as the only way, the only truth, and the only life, as it has been interpreted, but rather I am is the way, the truth, and the life. The I am that is the I am, I was, I will be, the power to be eternally I. That I am is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So when Jesus uses the words I am or me, he's basically saying that he, uh, that, 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 is the, that the I am is the way. And that is that central beingness that is the core of who we are. And uh, also in Matthew 5.30, Jesus says that uh, his that he is he himself his actions his thoughts his words his feelings are initiated by the divine. And what so many people who've really studied the root language have come to believe is that Jesus came here to show us all how to be divine. He did not come here to be the one and only divine, and to be worshipped thereafter as the divine, but to because he himself told the devil that he was not to be worshipped. But rather, he's, he's telling, showing us, and he even says that the greater gifts than these shall you do, greater things than these shall you do, uh, when he's talking about his power to heal and raise people from the dead, he's telling his disciples and all of us that we can do even greater things than he did because he was going away. And so what he's saying there is, I've come to show you how to do it. Now, here, you go do it. That's what he was saying. But we didn't get that. We got that uh, 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 mistranslated version of that. Because when the people came, when it came time to translate the Bible, uh, those decisions were already made. So in the Council of Nicaea, 
325 A.D., they made decisions about the nature of Christ. They said that uh, that Jesus was not uh, a bringer of wisdom with regard to how we could all get in touch with our own divine essence. That, although that was being taught back then, many of the teachers were talking about Jesus as just a teacher who came to show us all how we could also do what he did. But that was that was then at the point of the Council of Nicaea, which was was run by Constantine, who was an emperor and not a Christian, although he later says he why he did become a Christian, um, though he didn't actually take any uh, course of Christianity until he was on his deathbed. That was years later. Uh, and he had committed some atrocious acts while calling himself a Christian. Um, we're familiar with some of that today in America, as our leadership has done some of the same kind of stuff. But um, when we, when, when he, what he did was he decided he wanted his empire to be united under one religion, and he had to decide on which religion that would be, and he decided it would be Christianity. So then he called together some of the priests from his, around the, his empire, and not all of them attended, only a handful of them attended, and he led them in a discussion about who the nature of Christ. The priest didn't lead the discussion. Constantine led the discussion. And he basically inserted his own opinion. And since he was the emperor, he had a big sway. And what they decided was that Jesus was the only son of God, that there were no other divine creatures on the planet, and that only Jesus was, could be considered to be divine and everybody else could not be. And so after that, ever after that, all the texts that were translated were translated with that Jesus in mind instead of the Jesus that came here to show us all that we were already one with the divine and that all we had to do was tap into that energy and we could be in the flow. So that decision got made in 325. And all of the, all of the translations of the Bible that are out there today began back short around that time and, and were completed several couple of centuries later when, when uh, the Bible was finally canonized and it was decided which books of the Bible would be accepted and which books would not be accepted. And those decisions were made also in the framework of politics. Um, because there was no separation of church and state, those decisions were made based on politics and the political regime of the time decided that it was heresy to think of Jesus any other way than the way that they had decided at the Council of Nicaea and uh, so we also know of a long history in Catholicism where which was the only Christian church for many centuries where blood was literally running in the streets because many people were being killed for heresy, because they did not believe in that Jesus. They did not believe Jesus was the only Son of God. They believed that we were all sons of God and that Jesus came to show us how to be in the flow of that power. So when we talk about being in the flow, to some people in the Western world, we're talking heresy. And that's important for us to understand, that it, it comes very different for them because they believe that um, they're separate from the divine and that the only way to get close to the divine is to be forgiven for our sins. There's a lot of energy based on sinfulness in that in that religion, and and so we we uh, are taught that um, sin we're born into sin. We have to be forgiven from sin, and that's how we can go to heaven later after we die. 
some some parts of religion teach that there's a salvation experience that that gets us to heaven and some people teach that you have to live a good life to get to heaven and that, so there's different ideas even within the re- Christian religion but either way Jesus is considered to be the only son of God and there is no other son of God and we're not parts of that we're not constituent to the divine molecular components of the divine in one way of thinking about it we're not that we are separate from the divine but Jesus knew, uh, as did the author of Psalms 139.7.10, that there's no way to be separate from the divine. For it says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where will I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I descend into Sheol, behold, you are also there. If I lift up my wings like those of an eagle and dwell in the far out parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So that's it's important to note that the Bible itself when we look at the root language, is instructive with regard to the nature of our being and the possibility that we can get into the flow. So we're going to talk some more about that flow and how to get into it as we move through the second part of the show. We're going to take a short break right now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay with us. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Many of us define our lives by what has already happened. It's a past tense series of events. Do you long for something else? You don't have to live solely in this reality. Tune in for To Win Within with host Strom Thomason. Strom and his guests are here to introduce you to your true self. It's time to emerge from your box and take a beautiful journey of self-love and discovery. You'll find yourself exactly where you need to be. To Win Within airs live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. That thing you seek is within you. We all want to feel valuable, fulfilled, and accomplished in our lives. Yet for many, no matter how hard we try or where we look outside ourselves, the answers seem elusive and unknowable. Connecting with your authentic self is key to a life of peace and tranquility. Listen for Center for Tranquility with host Alma Phillips. You'll learn how to put the pieces in place and get the big picture of your life on Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the flow and the divine self. 
And what we've said thus far is that though there are some faiths in the Western world that do not believe that we are also divine at the center of our being, there are uh, there are there is root language in the Bible that says otherwise. Not only that, but there are uh, mystical Christians who believe that uh, that we are divine at our core. Uh, Thomas Merton uh, is one of those, and there are several others. Uh, that have taught, who had these deeply mystical experiences and have written about them and have taught us that um, that at our core we are divine. Uh, so uh, that's, that's a really important un- understanding to have. So this idea that we're separate from the divine comes from duality, the idea of duality, that we have somehow, uh, uh, we can live separate from the divine as if the divine was way out there, far away from us and not a part of us. One of the things that Jesus said was, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. What that means, it's, it's really important to look at the language there. He says, I have overcome the world. He does not say, I will overcome the world when I die on the cross for your sins. He says, I have overcome the world. In other words, he had already done it while he was still alive. What does that mean? Jesus had overcome by totally identifying with the divine essence of his being. He overcame to such an extent, in fact, that he could say, I can do nothing of my own initiative in Matthew 5.30. He was saying that not only his deeds, but even his initiative came from the divine self. Jesus knew that his overcoming is our overcoming, for to the extent that you've done it unto one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me, as it says in Matthew 25.40. So... Basically, what I'm saying here is that the texts of the Christian Bible do tell us that we are we have a divine self. We've just been taught not to believe that, and we've been taught it for so many centuries, and it's worked for so long, and it is politically expedient, although the leadership that teaches it may not be thinking of it as politically expedient, but it is politically expedient because it gives the church a lot of power. Um, because what it says is, if you do what we say, then you won't go to hell. And what that does is put a lot of money into the church and a lot of power into the words of the church. But as we can see, our Pope today is changing some of those old ideas about what's true and what's false about Christianity. And we and we could possibly change some of our thinking by getting in touch with the deeper essence of the, the, the divine through meditation, which is one of the things that uh, has been problematic for the Christian church. They now allow some um, contemplative prayer they do allow some centering prayer. Um, they do allow some of those things, but they are totally against meditation because they think that med- they have literally said in some articles uh, that I've quoted in books that I've written um, that the the that the meditation is wrong because it leads people to understand themselves as divine, and um, they don't believe that's true. So. Um, so they're they're not really for meditation, and yet it's through meditation that we have these uh, mystical experiences very commonly. Centering prayer can also do that for people, as can t- contemplative reflection, because we get into the mode of going into the deeper self, and the self then takes over and gives us information. So uh, those those things that they use can also be useful to help us get in touch and have some of those mystical experiences where we understand who we are at that deepest level. And what I have experienced in many people that I've talked to, many people that you you may also have had this experience yourself and you may know others who've had it, that when you have those meditational experiences where you connect with the divine within yourself, you also 
get a download of information and you get information about the mystical parts of life and you know things on a different level that you didn't know before. So there's, it, it gives you information about who you are at a deeper level. And it's very empowering because what it does is tell us that we are in, in and of ourselves enough. We are enough. And, and uh, it's, it's just like Jesus said in the text of the Bible. Again, he said, uh, why do you worry about these things? These things are taken care of by the divine already. So basically what, we're, what he was saying is there's no need for worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or how, what you'll wear because those things are already taken care of by the divine. And if the divine is in us, then that's very empowering. The other thing that uh, gets used a lot is the words, his name. Um, as we look at those words, the word is onoma atu in the Greek. The word onoma means everything that the thought of or feeling of which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, or remembering the name. And it's, con- it's a connotation of a name. And the second word is atu, which means self. It doesn't mean the name of God. It means self. And it really refers to the self or the essence of a thing or person. So when we're talking about his name, in the, as it's translated in the text of the Bible, we're really talking about the deeper self. Again, the root language, if we look at it, tells us the truth about what's meant by those words. So uh, it's really important for us to understand that, that even in the Christian religion, uh, it is possible to get into the flow. It is possible to get into... Uh, 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 relationship with self and with the divine simultaneously where we are really acting out of the initiative of the divine just as Jesus did when he talked about that. So being in the flow means I'm in the energy of my divine self. I'm in the energy of who I am at my deepest core level. I'm not being distracted by an identity that tells me that I should feel guilty or that I should take responsibility for other people's stuff or that I'm a bad person or that I'm a victim, or that I uh, have to laugh my way through life because life is just too hard. Otherwise, uh, you know, it doesn't tell me those things that my identities can tell me. If you've been listening from, to my show for very long, you know that um, these identities keep us believing that we are separate from the divine. These identities keep us believing we're separate from other people and other things and the divine, and, and that the only way to connect is to live in this identity. So if I've got an identity where I feel guilty and responsible for other people all the time, the way I connect to other people is to take care of them. And so I connect to those people that way, and my relationship to the divine is the same. I see myself as a servant of the divine instead of a constituent to the divine. And I, I, um, and in that way, then, what I'm doing is uh, living a life as if I'm separate from the divine. And I'm living a life as if I'm separate from other people, when, whereas my connection is actually there all the time, I just don't know it. And I think that I have to live out of that identity in order to, to connect. If my uh, identity is one of the bully, I believe that the only way that I'm connected to other people is to be more powerful than them. And that makes me feel less shame, and it makes me feel like I, I can be safe and be okay. And in that way, then I think I'm surviving. But in fact, what's really happening is I'm living a life that feels very separate from the flow. I'm not really in the flow. I'm just in an identity. And so in, in being in that identity, I'm, I'm lost to the flow. So I'm not acting authentically. I'm acting as if I'm separate from the divine and from other people. 
So I could go on and on with these identities, but the truth is that any of the identities uh, make us believe that we're separate from the divine. They make us believe that we're separate from other people and that the only way to connect with other people is to use the identity as our connecting rod. And in that way, then, what happens is that we, we, we live that life as if, an as-if life. We live an as-if uh, we're separate from the divine. But if we're not separate from the divine, if we're really not separate from the divine and we just believe we are, that's a whole different ballgame. If we're not separate from the divine, then there's only oneness. There's only one thing, and that is the divine. And we're all constituent parts of it. And if that's true, then we can definitely get into the flow. And so some of us may experience that flow at times. Uh, We hear uh, Olympic champions talk about being in the zone. And what they mean is they're in, for that little bit of time, they're in that place. It seems to be somewhat mysterious as to how we get there, but suddenly we're just there. Um, That's a part of the mystery that makes it a mystical experience, that we then we go there and we not necessarily know how we got there. It's not something we can contrive out of our identity, but suddenly we're just there. And it's an experience that we all can understand. If you've ever had that experience, you know what it means. You know it's different. You know it's a very different place than the place of the identity where we live into that sense of fear and that sense of alarm and that sense of control and that sense of um, separateness. We, when, we're, when we're living in that place, we come from a whole different uh, thought. We come from a whole different belief system. We come from a whole different place of being than we do when we live in, in, when we come from, live in the zone, when we are in the zone, when we're in the, in the flow. So uh, when we have had that experience, we know what it's like. So the next question was, is there anything we can do to get into the flow more often? Well... We can be in the mystery more often. So I said that sometimes we're just there and that there's a mystery as to how we got there. And that's true with a lot of different miracles in our lives. And miracles can happen regularly. I don't know why it is that I keep breathing in and out. I don't know why it is that my heart keeps beating. I don't know why it is that my lungs keep doing what they do and that my, my blood keeps pumping through my veins. I don't know why that is, but it is. It's a mystery. And why I'm still here and somebody else isn't. It's a mystery. I don't know. We try to quantify that. We try to make it mean something by saying, well, that person, you know, was called by, by God to go on to heaven. Got, a, got work to do in heaven. Or that person deserved to die. They weren't a good person. Or, you know, I deserve to live because I'm a better person than them. Or the storm didn't hit my house. It hit your house because God's trying to punish you, not me. We try to make sense out of these things, but they don't make sense. They're mysteries, and they're part of that divine flow. They're part of that energy that we don't understand. And even Jesus said, the wind comes and it goes, and we don't understand it. So, so you know, when we're talking about the truth of the flow, we're talking about a mystery. It's not something we can grab hold of like a rope and hang on. It, uh, it's not something the ego can contrive, nor can the ego control it. So it, it's, it's a, it has a mystery of its own. But what we can do is spend more time in the mystery. We can spend more time in direct connection to the divine within us. We can spend more time in meditation or centering prayer or reflective uh, exercises. We can spend more time 
in uh, in in the texts of the of, of the sacred texts of the world, whichever they are for you. We can spend more time just being reflective on who we are. Um, we can let the verses like that found in the Bhagavad Gita sink in. Those who know me as divine self break through the belief that they are a body and not reborn as separate creatures. In other words, once we understand who we actually are, we have broken through that belief that we're just a body and we're not and we're not reborn as separate creatures. So we're not separate creatures according to this. We're and we're not just a body. We are we are a part of divine self and we are a constituent to the divine. So it, uh, there's a flow in that. Uh, he says, such a one is united with me, delivered from self-attachment, fear, and anger, and filled with me, surrendering themselves to me, purified in the fire of my being, many have reached the state of unity in me. So in other words, what happens when we get into the flow is there's a transformation taking place. The transformation uh, is even talked about in Romans, I believe it's chapter 1 or chapter 2, I'm not sure which, but it, it or maybe it's chapter 8, verse 1. It talks about um, how we can surrender the mind to the divine and how we can be transformed from within. And that's exactly what he's talking about here in, in the Bhagavad Gita, the same exact thing where it says, if you, trans, if you surrender to that sense of, of yourself as divine, if you surrender to divine self, you break through the belief that you're separate from the divine, and you also are delivered from selfish attachment, fear, and anger, and are filled with the divine, surrendering the, ourselves to the divine, purified in the fire of the divine, and, that, and thus we reach the state of unity. So that unified, unified experience is what so many people who've had mystical experiences talk about. They have this deep feeling of oneness, of connection with everything and everyone. And they sense that at a deep level, and it can't be shaken. Once you've had that experience, it's like it changes you at a core level. And so the people who've actually had those kind of mystical experiences all talk about that uni- unity experience. And uh, so that's a really important aspect of our understanding, where we're not just talking about self as a separate, distinct entity, that is divine and purified and righteous and all those things we want to think about, we tend to get spirituality and morality real confused. Morality is one thing. It's a set of rules that are set aside by a group of people that everyone in that group who identifies with that group is supposed to obey. That's morality, period, end of subject. Spirituality, on the other hand, is an entirely different thing. Spirituality is a deep and abiding relationship with the divine period, does not say anything whatsoever about morality. But what we see here is, uh, as, as um, the Bhagavad Gita says, is that we get delivered from all those things that we think are bad when we surrender to that, pure, to that uh, divine in, in us. And it's also true that in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, It says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So what happens is, 
we we are transformed and we uh, obey the law from within instead of having to obey it as uh, following a rule. In other words, our hearts just naturally begin to follow the the law of love. And what happens as as that happens is that we begin to understand ourselves and life very differently. The word righteousness, as Jesus used it in, in as he was talking to his disciples and to groups of people, when he said, "Your righteousness shall ex- exceed that of the Pharisees," what he the word righteousness does not mean be follow the law. It means only Christ truly. In other words, when we adopt to the Christ nature, or what what the Buddhists would call the Buddha nature, or what the Bhagavad Gita would call the divine self, when we ad- surrender to that then we we live according to the love that is the whole law and that's a transformation that occurs deep within us and we can have that as we spend more and more time in the flow and we can be in the flow the more time we spend uh, uniting with that divine understanding that we have spending time in, in meditation spending time in reading sacred text spending time in in centered prayer, since spending time in reflective exercises. These are the things that open us to our willingness to see who we are as divine beings. And it changes us at a core level. We become the divine beings we actually are. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. So this will be another few minutes break, and then we'll be back with more. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. Author, publisher, and life mentor broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living. 
with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back in the last segment of our show today talking about the flow and the divine self. And what we said thus far is that there is such a thing as the flow and what it is is that deepest essence of who we are. And when we, when we tap into that, we have a whole new energy and a whole new focus and a whole new ability uh, to do things that we might not even known that we have the capacity to do. Um, those things happen to us as a result of walking into the flow. We don't always know how we manage to walk into the flow. That's a part of the mystery. But what we've said also is that it's possible to get more into the flow by spending more time in meditation, spending more time in sacred text, spending more time in in uh, centered prayer or in contemplative exercises so that we are able to see ourselves clearly and see who we are as divine beings see who we are as divine self and uh what we've said so far is that we get that download uh when we spend time in meditation we get a download of information in which we understand things differently than perhaps what we've been taught to understand that might be a little frightening at first to some of us but but what what happens is slowly over time we just begin to evolve in a very peaceful way that allows us to just go see things differently than perhaps what we've been taught. And, um, and this kind of mystical experience is, is at the root of a lot of mystical religion across the globe. Every religion has its mystical segment, and Christianity has one as well. Um, Buddhism has one. Um, Jainism has one. All of the religions of the world, Hinduism, all of them have a, a mystical sect, a mystical part, a component whereby they begin, they see things from that deeper level, not just by the words of a text or by the shoulds, have tos, and ought tos, but put forth by their leadership, but rather um, by actual experience with the divine nature. And so every one of us has a capacity to have an experience with the divine. And uh, we can do that through meditation. You know, some people talk about meditation as just a stress-reducing exercise, but even as people get involved in it as stress reduction, they have deeper and deeper experiences and begin to understand it, things at deeper and deeper levels and maybe even transform at deeper levels um, because they've really tapped into that root essence of who they are and have connected thereby with the divine. And so, um, you know, what, what can be practiced, and we'll spend a little time talking about this right now, is presence. I said earlier that you can read more about these these kinds of um, uh, understandings of, of the biblical text and, and, and understand oneness better by reading the text of the book Inhabiting Heaven Now. That book came out in 2013, but it's still very popular, and uh, you can buy that t- online at Amazon.com. And, um, it's, uh, it does answer some of these questions in a deeper way than I'm able to do on a radio show. So I wanted to refer you to that book for more information. But I want to talk ab- uh, again about uh, presence, that uh, the power of presence is amazing. So being present with self and being present with the divine and being present with others 
is what we're talking about. So how does one be, uh, become present with the self? We tend to think, well, I, of course I'm present with myself. I'm just doing me, right? But oftentimes what we don't know is the me that we're doing is not really who we actually are. It's who we've pretended to be in order to cope with life, but it's not who we actually are. And if we look within, what we find is a deep internal conflict between the me that we are acting like and a deeper me that has more to say about what we want from life. And so uh, being present with ourselves means being present with that deeper essence. And there are some ways to get in touch with that. Um, Yoga is definitely one where the body and the mind are working together to uh, do the exercises that you do to get in touch with that deeper self. Um, uh, Meditation, of course, is another uh, and sometimes just uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about uh, walking meditation where you literally walk and you feel your heel and then the side of your foot and then your toe set down and you really can are present with that experience of what it's like to put your foot in this spot and then this spot and then this spot. And what does that feel like for your whole body? What does it feel like to breathe in and out? Focusing on your breathing sometimes is very helpful to just kind of get present with yourself um, being in the stillness is one that I, I refer to a lot uh, the stillness is that deep inner place within us that's just very quiet and very still um, Thich Nhat Hanh refers to it many people who practice meditation refer to it it's also referred to in the Bible in uh, Psalms where it says be still and know that I am God I think that means be still and know that I am Andrea Matthews is God, and you are also God. We are also God. Um, uh, you can, might translate that differently, but that's how I translate it. And, um, you know, what? so what that means is that I can step into the stillness. I can be still and know who I am. And so that stillness is just a deep place where your body begins to feel a, a real warm peacefulness overcome it. And you just quiet down. And there's a silence there that's just um, almost like music. Uh, We can go to that place and have those mystical experiences. And not only do we calm down and stop being anxious, but we also are able to get new insights about who we are and what's true and false about our lives. Um, So uh, being present with the self is very, very important. Being present with other people is also very important. Being present with other people is that capacity we have to sit with and just allow that person to be wholly them. We're not insisting that they get better. We're not wanting them to change how they feel. We're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to get them to do something. We're just being with them, really being with them. So whatever they say, uh, is is accepted as coming from a voice within them. doesn't matter whether it's an authentic voice or not. It's coming from a voice within them. Whatever they do is accepted as a part of what they need to do at that moment. Maybe we don't wouldn't do that, but that's what they're doing because that's how they think it ought to be done at this moment. So being present with them is anything but judging. Okay? There's so much judgment in the Western world today. It's almost like judgment has reared its ugly head and it is just dominating everything. And that's why there's such divisiveness because each part of the segments between us 
wants to be the right part and, and knows that it's right and the other side is wrong. Um, but that's not the same as, as being present with somebody. Being present with somebody means really being with them where they are right here, right now, without judgment. So as a counselor, I have to do that all the time. Now, this show is not a clinical show. It's not about counseling. It is about spirituality. But I will give this example. As a counselor, I do that all the time. I sit with people. I'm very present with them. And I'm able to do that without judgment. But most people are not taught how to do that because they're not trained in the counseling profession. What I can tell you is if if we, we have to suspend that idea that there's a right and a wrong we have to suspend that idea that there's a right and a wrong. And that is so difficult for some people. But that's what has to happen. We're not about right and wrong. Jesus was not about right and wrong when he hung out with tax collectors and uh, thieves. And um, I'm sure there were some gay people in there in that mix somewhere. I think it's very interesting that he did not have a word to say, not one word, about GLBTQ issues. He did not say a thing about that. Be, uh, not a word uh, and I think if it was the big issue that the church makes it today then he would have said something but he said nothing not a word nada um, so that's that's important when we talk about the New, new Testament as a new faith um, I think we have to take that part too so we can't be judging other people and still call ourselves present with them we're not present with them when we're judging them we're far far away from them when we're judging them Judgment is a tool of distance. It is not a tool of presence. It's not a tool of togetherness. It is not a tool of understanding. It is not a tool of love. Judgment is a tool of distance. It allows us to get distant from another person so that cooties won't get on us. That's what it does for us, period, end of subject. So um, when, when, when we're talking about being present with another person, there's a kind of glory in that presence there's a kind of glory in in the fact that that person is right there allowed to be whatever they are and there's a kind of surrender in that not only are we surrendering to it but they also tend to surrender more once they feel that you're really present with them they tend to surrender more and that surrendering can give us that same thing that was talked about in the Bhagavad Gita where we begin to transform internally we won't transform when we're judged. That won't happen. Uh, we will. We tend to transform more, much more readily when we're in a place where there is no judgment. So that's being present with other people. Being present with the divine means sitting with the divine. Now, we all have images of what the divine is for us. Many of those come from different places, whether we got taught that image or whether we've taken up the image of our mother and father and sort of projected it onto that divine image or whatever that is for us we we do have images of the divine what i challenge people to do is suspend those images just open yourself to being able to sit with the divine that has no image to just be able to just be and allow the divine to 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 be with you to be as you and as you do that you begin to open and you begin to transform and you begin to listen Rather than telling, rather than asking, you're just listening. And you're listening not with just your ears, you're listening with your body and your heart and your soul. And something begins to talk. 
and you begin to understand that things are shifting in, inside of you. Something begins to, to initiate itself inside of you. And that's where the transformative process begins. So being present with the divine, just like we have to suspend judgment when we are present with other people, we have to suspend our images of what the divine is. We've spent so much time over the centuries trying to define the divine. But each religion has its own definition of what the divine looks, talks, walks, acts, thinks, feels like. And yet, I would say the divine is none of those. Maybe those are metaphors, but that's as good as it gets. The divine is its own self, and it doesn't need definition, perhaps even defies definition. So when, we, when we're talking about the mystery of the divine, we're really talking about a mystery. We're not talking about uh, uh, something that we can grab hold of with the ego and make a definition of. We're not talking about um, the capacity that we have to name and define, and this is how God looks and this is how God acts. We're talking about just being present, just being present and allowing the divine to just be present with us. And so there's a suspension that happens, and therefore we can surrender. Because I can suspend my images of the divine, I can now surrender to whatever the divine is. And that happens as a result of just being, of just listening. We listen, we hear, we shift, and as we do that, we surrender a little more, and a little more, and a little more, and a little more. And things begin to shift and change inside of us as a result. So that's presence with the divine. So if we want to get in the flow, we need to spend more time in the presence. And in the presence of the divine, in the presence of other people, in the presence of the self. I encourage that practice on a daily basis for all, all of my listeners, all of my readers, and for myself. And... Uh, and so that's what we have for today. That's our show for today. Uh, if you have questions or thoughts, feel free to communicate with me uh, at andrea at andreamatthews.com. Otherwise, we'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.